0: the Holy by A.W. Tozer. I don't know when I read this book, but you can see I've marked it up and it's fallen apart several times. And I want to read just a section out of his second chapter where he introduces us why we must think rightly about God. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's true. What is your view of God? The gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the best thing about any man is not what he may at a given time say or do, but what in his heart he conceives about God. Always the most revealing thing about a church, the church in general, this specific church, Always the most important thing about a church is her idea of God, just as her most significant message is what she says about Him or leaves unsaid, for her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. So what would we say about God this morning? Uh, Kathy, I loved your song to introduce us to that theme, Open Our Hearts. And may the Lord bless our hearts and open them to Him this morning through this passage. Now if you have your copy of the Word, in whatever form it is, electronic or just your your ears, turn with me to Ezekiel 1. I want to read this vision of God. Visions are critically important in all of life. And when I say visions, there are all kinds of visions. The vision that Ezekiel has is a very unique vision. Daniel had visions. Isaiah had visions. I would say the New Testament writers all had visions of God in various ways. You'll hear one vision of God this morning. It's a unique vision. I would say you would fact we should factor it into our minds as we think about God this morning. So I'm going to read the vision this morning. Just comment on it. So follow along with me in this passage, beginning in verse one. Now it came about in the thirtieth year. I think that's Ezekiel's age. <clears throat> he was thirty. That's the time uh, the prophets really, you know, when you're inaugurated in ministry, that's when it happened. Keep in mind Ezekiel prophesied alongside Jeremiah, who was back in Israel. Ezekiel is in exile. He and Daniel were contemporaries. Interesting to think. What what is your, both Daniel and Ezekiel had great visions of God. They served in two different areas, two different arenas of ministry. So we meet Ezekiel at 30 on the fifth day of the fourth month. While he was on the river Kebar amongst the exiles, you think you're in a foreign land some days? Identify with Ezekiel. The heavens were opened and I saw the visions of God. On the fifth of the month, this is his fifth year in exile. He was taken captive in 597 B.C. This this vision is in 593 or thereabouts. Verse 3, the word of the Lord came expressly to me, Ezekiel the priest, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Kebar, and there the hand of the Lord was upon me. Now in this vision, Ezekiel is going to use language that is almost inexpressible. It it almost defies meaning. He will use words to explain some things he sees, but these words uh, don't do justice to what he saw. You know, maybe that's like life, you know, do our lives speak a little bit, a fragment, so to speak, for the God that we serve. This language surpasses human language, it speaks of the absolute sovereignty of God, His omniscience, His omnipresence, everything about Him. And it begins in verse 4. As I look, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with flashing fire, flashing fire forth continually, and a bright light around it, and in its midst, something like a glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Now, <clears throat> picture a lot, uh, Ezekiel. I I think about this as a farm kid growing up in Pennsylvania. I remember standing in our barn. We'd be uh, working as hard as we could to get the hay in the barn before the the thunderstorms came. And we'd be standing there in the barn with the hay in the barn, watching these huge storms just descend on us. The lightning flashed, the thunder rolled, and you could tremble almost. Just being grateful you got your work done, and sometimes it didn't happen that way. I remember one of those storms that came to our farm. We, I was brought up in a dairy farm. We milked about 70, 80 cows. And one of those storms hit, and the lightning struck the barn. And you could actually see the lightning jump from cow to cow the whole way through the barn. The barn, how it burnt, didn't burn down, I don't know. But I think of these storms. So... We think of them here in Texas. We see the clouds, the lightning flash, the tunnel, the funnels come out of the cloud, and the devastation that happens sometimes. So Ezekiel is sitting here. The storm is descending, Uh, fire, lightning going all around, bright light. And in its midst, something like a glowing metal in the midst of the fire. What is God doing? This glowing metal, I think, is something about the work of God. I thought about this uh, when I was 19. I worked in a steel mill in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, for Coatesville Steel. And I remember watching these big ladles, heavy ladles, you know, worked by cranes where they'd pour out the molten and it would begin to take shape. Something in this cast, something in this hot metal, Something new was being created out of something old. I think that's a theme in this vision. God is creating something new in this violent storm that's about to come. Verse 5, Within it there were figures resembling four living beings. These are fascinating. And this was their appearance. They had a human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings, if you can imagine that. Their legs were straight, they were strong, they were ready. Their feet were like a calf's hoof. Calves learned to, I mean, they just jump all over the place. So these legs were strong, but their hoofs were alive. They gleamed like a burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four sides were human hands. These beings were ready to serve. As for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another. So they each have two sets of wings, and these wings are out here. They're touching each other. They're all around. Their faces did not turn when they moved. They each went straight forward. As for the form of their faces, they had four of them. They each had the face of a man. Uh, All four had the face of a lion on the right and a face of a bull on the left. And they had the face of the eagle. They had these four faces. The face of a man, they're thinking they're alive. The face of a bull or an oxen, steady, steadfast. The face of an eagle, they were swift and powerful. The face of a lion, they were strong and devouring. All these themes in these four creatures, four cherubim that are in the place of God. We'll look at it a little bit. I think these are the four living creatures that John sees in his book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. But these four cherubim in the presence of God, such were their faces. They were majesty and power. Their wings were spread out above Each had two touching the the bean, and two covered their bodies so they were all connected. Each went straight forward. They were very intentful in what they were doing. They never got sidetracked. These four faces were all around. They saw everything and they moved at the impulse. They each went straight forward. First of four references in four repetitions in this vision, wherever the spirit would go, they were they would go. They were all led by the spirit of God. I thought of Jesus, who moved at the impulse of the spirit of God. Jesus did nothing except what the spirit of God told him to do. So that's that they were obedient. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire. You have this. M- this hot iron thing in the middle of the first vision. Now amongst these, there is burning coals of fire. And in this burning coals of fire, they're like lightning or torches darting back and forth among the living beings. You can't read this without at least having a sense of the holiness of God, his fire permeating everything, consuming everything that is there. But it's always burning, always alive like Daniel's furnace where the fire came, but the, the four were never consumed. They were never burnt. So the holiness of God is in the midst of these creatures. The fire was bright and lightning was flashing from the fire. Can you envision these four creatures with these four faces? Lightning all over. This gold, I mean, this uh, this, uh, burning, this glowing metal which we saw earlier. Now, verse 15, now as I looked at the living beings, there was one wheel on the earth beside the living beings for each of the four of them. So now there are four wheels that enter the picture. The appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was like sparkling beryl, and all four of them had the same form, their appearance surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, no, I missed, I'm sorry. The workman was as if the wheel was within another. So there were four wheels in the four beings, and then there was a wheel on earth. A wheel, you remember the famous song, The Wheel Within a Wheel? Ezekiel saw, saw this. So one wheel is horizontal, seemingly. The other wheel on the earth is vertical, and these wheels are in each other. So you see these four living creatures, they each have a wheel and there's a wheel in the ground, so you get the image of a chariot where these four beings are together, hovering together over the earth, and they are above a wheel. They have these four wheels. You can think of them maybe in a square where the one creature's here, one's here, one's here, one's here, and each has a wheel on the earth, so this chariot structure seems to be moving. And whenever they moved in any of the four directions without turning as they moved, As for their rims, they were lofty and awesome. And the rims of all four of them, these are the wheels on the earth, I take it, were full of eyes round about. So this chariot is moving. It goes this way, that way. Everything's always intentful. The eyes are always straight on all four sides. So the holiness of God moves throughout. These wheels are turning, this chariot-like structure. As for the rims, they were lofty and awesome, and, all, and the rims of all four of them were full of eyes. Whenever the living beings moved, the, move, the wheels moved with them. And whenever the living beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. So this chariot, these four creatures, move around the earth with this flaming fire. The wheels rose close beside them, for the spirit of the living being was in the wheels. Verse 21, whenever those went, these went. And whenever those stood still, these stood still. And, whenever they, the, and wh- wherever they rose from the earth, the wheels rose close beside them, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. I just want to give you a, a different verse. I thought of a Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and tensions of the heart. The word of God is alive this morning as we read it. Any passage, whether it's Psalm 98, Ezekiel 1, and it pierces, it goes everywhere. It will penetrate every idea you have, everything in your heart, everything in your mind. And this was the sovereign work of God in the exiles in a foreign land. What's he up to? Well, let's read further. Verse 22, Now over the heads of the living beings was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal spread out over their heads. Now, keep your passage there. I want to take you to Revelation. In chapter 4, John sees this vision of God. I want to pick it up in verse 5. And out of the throne comes... It sounds... Just identical. Listen to this. Out of the throne comes flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. I think that's likely of all the eyes, the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass like crystal. And the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. So these four faces on each of the four living beings, there were eight set of eyes there. Eyes all over the place, eyes in the wheels. And verse 8, and the four living creatures, each one of them saying, six wing, having six wings full of eyes all around, day and night they do not cease saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and is to come. This is Ezekiel's vision of God. So in verse 22, back to Ezekiel, there was something like an expanse. That's the expanse in verse 6, this sea. And he goes on, under the expanse, their wings were stretched out one toward the other. Each one had two wings covering his body on one side and the other. And I heard the sound of their wings like a sound of abundant waters as they went, like the voice of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army camp. The idea of judgment. God is in his army moving. And whenever they stood, they dropped their wings in awe. Verse 25, and there came a voice from the expanse that was over their heads. Whenever they stood still, they dropped their wings in quietness and worship, I might say. Now above the expanse, verse 26, that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne. Like lapsus lazuli in appearance, and on that throne resembled, and on that which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a, tell me, man. So here you have the four living creatures, the wheels within them, the wheels in the ground, the chariot like structure moving. Above it was the expanse, the heavens, and above it there was a throne, and on this throne, There is something of the appearance of a man. I believe this vision is a theophany, a picture of Jesus. Let me say something. I think the highest representation of God himself is a man. If God wanted to show himself to his people, how would he show himself? Would he show himself in this vision, these creatures, the wheels, the magnificence, the visions of Daniel, or would he show himself as a man? Galatians, Paul says, and when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. And Jesus, this representation of this vision this morning, comes in the flesh. By the way, when I'm back here in July, I'm going to preach on the man vision, Jesus, out of Luke chapter 7. A vision of Jesus. But in this vision out of Ezekiel, he sees a man. He he sees Jesus, the Messiah, lifted up. Let's continue, verse 27, Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upwards something like a glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward I saw something like a fire. And there was a radiance about him. You know, I cannot help but think of Revelation chapter 1 and his vision of Jesus We pick it up in verse 14. And his head and his hair were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in all its strength. These visions are connected Verse 28, as the appearance of the rainbow and the clouds on a rainy day. Does that mirror the grace of God in some way? The grace of God that in the midst of judgment, my promise, my purposes are alive and well. So was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. Kathy, it was in one of your songs, this theme of obedience when God speaks. So, Ezekiel sees this vision and he falls on his face. And God said to him, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1, Then he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And as he spoke, the Spirit entered in me and set me on my feet. We can do nothing apart from the Spirit of God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Then he said to me, son of man, I'm sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I'm sending you to them who are a stubborn and obstinate children. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, as for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, neither fear their words nor be dismayed at their presence, for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. I must say, is this appropriate for our nation or not? Now we are not the chosen people like Israel was. But I think about how things have changed in our country. How the Word of God is just abandoned, dismissed, out of hand. We go our own way. What's our mission? Well, let me just say again, we don't have a mission apart from a vision of God. So whatever our mission is, it comes out of who God is. This vision of Ezekiel's vision of God to Ezekiel is because God is going to judge Israel, judge the exiles. He's going to bring down His wrath on them and destroy destroy them because their lack of obedience, Their, their unfaithfulness, their rebelliousness. But even in His judgment, there is something being reformed, this molten steel. God has never abandoned His people, although He deals with them. Verse 8, now to you, O son of man, listen to what I'm speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. I asked myself this morning, do we obey God? Do I obey Him? Do I have a heart to follow Him everywhere I go? In our age, as I think God is calling the church to a greater courage today than ever before, to speak up for Him in all kinds of areas, to be open, to be men and women of conviction, don't be rebellious. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving to you. And then I looked, and behold, the hand was extended to me, and a scroll was in it. And when he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and back, and written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe for the judgment of God. Eat it. I think of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 15, 16. He says, thy words were found, and I ate them, and they became to me the joy and delight of my soul. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. And then we come to chapter 3, just the first three verses. And then God said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me this scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll which I am giving you. You know, every part of our being is satisfied with the fullness of God. We are unsatisfied people. We dabble in all kinds of different things in our culture because we're not deeply satisfied with God. May we eat the Word. Think of Psalm 1611, where the writer says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore, eating the Word. I want to say this morning, you know, the word is here, the vision is here. Will you eat? Or will you just, it's a nice plate. I like the table spread, but I'm going back to my other stuff. Do you eat the vision? Do you eat what God sets before you? Now in just closing minutes, I want to reflect on this for a minute. This vision is a vision of the holiness and sovereignty of God as he deals with his people. Yeah, I don't know that I'd want to be Ezekiel. I don't know that I'd want to take this message. I don't know I'd want to be Jeremiah. Delivering a hard message, a message of judgment if you disobey. But yet, we have to say that in our culture. It's a message of love, but it's a message of truth. It's a message that God is our Father, like we sang. His greatest expression of Him is His Son. But yet there is also a side of message if you abandon Him, if you disobey Him. Here's what lies ahead. So this is a vision of the holiness and sovereignty. It's a vision of justice. It's a vision of tearing down the old. You know, just think about this. These are the these four living creatures, they're cherubim. You remember what was on the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle and in the temple. They were the cherubim, the holiness of God. All of that is going to be destroyed. All of it. It's gone today. We don't go. We don't have a high priest who has to go to the Holy of Holies once a year. It's all gone. It's all shattered. God is showing Ezekiel, I'm going to do something new. In Ezekiel 11, he says, I'm going to give them a heart of flesh so that people will always respond to me. I want to say that's what Jesus is to us. He's given us his own flesh. We eat it and drink it when we remember him. He is the express vision of God. A vision of newness, something new. And he established that in our own hearts through the Lord Jesus Christ. As he suffered, as he took the judgment of the holiness of God for our sin. A couple of questions that are there in your bulletin. What is the vision of God of the average believer? Can you put these two visions together a vision of the sovereign holiness, judgment of God, and the judgment of, I mean, and all that taken out on Jesus? He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. How important is vision to mission? I think it's critical. What's your vision of God and what's your mission? What is the impact of your vision in your own life? Do you have a big view of God? What's your vision of God in your marriage for your children, for your grandchildren, for your church, and where you're at? For your work every day, for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus in our culture. What's your vision of God? Last question is, will you eat this vision? You say, I'm not up to eating this vision this morning. I'm not quite sure where this is. Will you meditate on it? Will you put yourself in Ezekiel's shoes and see the high, holy, sovereign God working out His will in all of life, in the Middle East, in our world today, all over this globe. His vision is coming. His vision is His Son working through the church, rebuilding, recrafting through our lives, throughout North Dallas, throughout Richardson, throughout Plano, throughout all this area, through the lives that we live. My prayer for myself and for you and for all of us is that God will deepen his vision of who he is in our hearts and our minds. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this vision of Ezekiel's. What an amazing, amazing reality that he saw of who you are and all you're about in your people. Lord, in a different way, we're not where Ezekiel was, but I pray that you will give us a clear identification with who you are and the vision of who you are and how you express yourself and how you're at work in our lives in this world. And may we be obedient and give us a fresh vision this day of who you are and who your son is and how the Spirit wants to work in our lives, and may we be like those four living creatures moving at the impulse of your spirit in our lives in every way, I pray, in Jesus' name.